Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Do you feel that you are called by God? Do you want to make sure that you never miss the command and the voice of the Holy Spirit when He's leading you to do something? Do you feel that you have a ministry, that you're a vibrant part of His church, and that He needs you to do work in the kingdom? Then this episode's for you. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. It's wake-up call 078. God is calling you. That's right. God is calling you. I'm your host, AJ, and this is the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm so thankful that you're watching and that you're listening, that you're sharing the messages, and that you're part of this community of believers who are on fire for the Lord, and we call ourselves the faithful. Rather, the Scripture calls us that, and that's the desire, and that's what we want to live up to, to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1 today, and actually, uh, I have a feeling several wake-up calls. We're going to be going to Jeremiah chapter 1 and um, we're going to be looking at several portions of the first chapter of Jeremiah. Uh, I just recently went through the entire book of Jeremiah in my daily reading where, you know, you read a couple chapters every day. I think it's three a day, and you'll read your Bible through in a year. Uh, if you want to read it twice in a year, read six or whatever, multiple of three. Most importantly, the most important thing is that you're opening up your Bible, that you're reading it, and you're getting it down into your heart, that you're speaking it, you're sharing it, you're obeying it, and you're living by it. So I, I went through the book of Jeremiah, and there was a lot of, there's so much truth and so much power in the entire Word of God. I, I always feel silly saying that, but it, it's so amazing how the Holy Spirit will speak to you through whatever portion of the Bible that you're studying and that you're reading. So I'm in Jeremiah, and this first portion of chapter 1 really hits me. I want to read verses 4 through 8 concerning today's uh, episode, today's wake-up call, and we're going to answer those questions. Hey, you know, How do you hear the voice of God? What do you do when you hear the voice of God? Uh, what is God calling you? Do you have something that the Lord would have you do on the earth? And just go ahead and fair warning, spoiler alert, you absolutely are called by God. I don't care who's watching. If you're a born-again believer, you're called. God has something He wants you to do and be a part of His growing, thriving church on the earth. Let's get to the text. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, or set you apart. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah speaking, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say that I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I shall send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. That's Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We see a couple things going on in this passage here. Essentially what we see is the call of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, when he was called, he was called as a young man. And this vocal calling, this, this, the Lord speaking to the man named Jeremiah, 
which he was a prophet over the course of 40 years to the nation of Israel. At that time, it would be called Judah because Israel, the 10 tribes, they'd already been fallen and, and in captivity, and they're going in captivity during this time that Jeremiah is a prophet. And he is ministering to those that are in authority over Judah, the southern kingdom. He starts out his ministry in the telling years of Josiah, the, the young boy king who found the word of God and brought Israel back to the law of God. And in his days, uh, they lived a very blessed life and they lived a life that God honored because they followed his word. But there was still destruction that would come against the nation of Judah and Israel because as a whole and as uh, in large, they, after the reign of Judah, or excuse me, Josiah, they fall back into sin and idolatry, and they continue to go back to their sins, continue to go back to their idolatry. And because of that, though God is patient and long-suffering and merciful, He is also just. You know, sometimes Christians get, uh, can't quite balance that. Uh, what I would suggest, I do it myself, let us never be so prideful as to assume that we are more compassionate than God. Let me say that again. May you and I never be so prideful to act as if we're more compassionate than the living God. May I never pass judgment on God when I'm reading the Word or I see it happen in real time in my life or other people's lives that when God justly brings about consequences because of disobedience, I would say, well, if I were God, I wouldn't do that. You know, that's a big, big thing that, I, that I've come across with people who, who are self-proclaimed atheists, say they don't believe in God, but it's, it's so interesting. Generally, it's atheists who argue with me the most. It's like, dude, if you don't believe in the Lord, why are you spending all your energy and air arguing against something you think doesn't even exist? Why, why is your heart? And your insides twisting and turning over and over and over at the thought, at the fact that I believe in the Lord, but you say He doesn't exist. It's like, you know, come on. <laughs> if, it, if He doesn't exist, why expend the energy? And that's something that's a, a quote-unquote arguing point that, that people that I've encountered will use. If I were God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let this happen. I wouldn't let that happen. I would be more compassionate or loving than God. Yes, because you have all knowledge, you know all things, and you are the discerner of hearts, <laughs> which of course no man is. You and I, we only know about people what we can see, hear, taste, touch, feel, naturally sense. And then we know what people, you know, when we build relationship with people, their character, their nature. When it's all said and done, we don't know the intent and the heart of people. They express it to us by their words, their actions, but they're still within the depths of their heart. There's a level of knowing that only God knows, and you and I can only know it unless the Lord reveals it. And so let us not be so prideful when we're reading through Scripture and we say, wow, if I were the Lord, I wouldn't have done that. Wow, that seems really mean, God. Why, why did you do that? I know this, that God is perfect and complete in love. He is love. It's not, God is not loving. God is love. God is agape love, the, the God kind of love, self-giving, benevolent, merciful love. He is love. He is the standard and the definition of what it means to be wholly loving. He is also just. 
and concerning the people of Israel, the nation which he had chosen out of all the nations to bring about the Messiah. The Lord found it fit to bring judgment after time and time and time and time and time again of sending his word, sending revivals, when people responded in obedience to the word, Charles G. Finney said that a revival simply is a renewed obedience to the word of God. That's what revival looks like. When people renew their commitment to faithfully follow the call and the word of God, the instruction of the Lord, the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's what is revival. And it changes people, it changes cities, it changes nations. But Israel as a nation and a whole, they had a continual pattern of going back into their sin and their idolatry. Jeremiah ministered for 40 plus years over five different kings concerning their back and forth and their backsliding. And he constantly called them to repentance. He was constantly calling the people of Judah to repent and turn from their idolatry, turn from their wickedness. There's one conversation where he's having with people, and they say, we don't want to do that. We'd rather sacrifice to the queen of the sky, to the queen of heaven. We'd rather Astaroth. We'd rather sacrifice to these demon gods. We like this. Leave us alone. Jeremiah was imprisoned. Jeremiah was beaten. Jeremiah was ridiculed. He was mocked. He was scorned. Uh, kings would tell him to leave. <laughs> he, was, he was taken prisoner, captive, but he was faithful. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, but really he should be known as the faithful prophet because in the midst of all that persecution, he was faithful to the call that was on his life. What I want you to see in Jeremiah's call, I want you to see... Four different aspects of Jeremiah's call and how you can learn from these four aspects, these four points of the call of Jeremiah, you can learn how to receive your calling from God. The first thing I want you to know is this, you are called. Yes, you. You're listening to me on the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm thankful for it. You read your Bible, you pray, you attend church. I'm glad that you do. But I want you to know you're called and you have a ministry. You might think, well, no, 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 AJ. You're a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not this or that. Maybe you're not. But then again, then again, maybe you are. Maybe you are called to what you might call pulpit ministry or that fivefold ministry we see in Ephesians 4. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Maybe you are one of those things. Maybe you, maybe you hold that calling. Or over the course of your life, maybe you'll ebb and flow from dip, those different type of callings or, or grow in the calling and have another calling added to it. Regardless, though, I know that you're called. I know that you're called. The reason I know that you are called is because I know that you're approved. Jeremiah 1, verse 5 says this, The Lord said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's approval. God is saying to Jeremiah, now there's specific cases here throughout Scripture where we see that, that by the system of reproduction, God created, God, you understand God is a God of seed time and harvest. He is a God of sowing and reaping. He created those laws and he knit together Adam and Eve who then procreated and brought about the people of the earth. 
generation after generation, God put within mankind the ability to reproduce. So God is the author of life by means of that. He, he put that into action. But there are some times, there are some instances throughout history where God reached down and there were certain people before they were even born that he touched. Jeremiah is one of them. John the Baptist was anointed by the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. David, as a young boy, before he's even known of by the prophet, I have a man after my, my own heart. He's just sitting out in the sheep pasture. There's times where God reaches down and pinpoints a certain person and says, eh, that person, I want them. You think of it with Moses. Moses is born out of time. In other words, he's born at a time where all the men children are being slaughtered. Yet something in his mother's heart caused her to put that baby in a basket and float him down a river. And lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter becomes his stepmom. And he's raised. Not, he's raised in the household of the Pharaoh who sent out word to kill all the baby boys. The very one that did the killing ends up being Moses' protector. There's something in the, there's some times where God will reach down and touch someone for a specific time and event. Jeremiah was like that. But I know this generally, God knows you. And he, he has approved you. See, if you're in Christ Jesus, you and I have been accepted to God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved, the beloved there's capitalized. It's referring to the to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you put your faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are made accepted. You are approved. The seal of approval is put upon you. God knows you. First Thessalonians two verse four. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. See, there is an approval when we faithfully obey the call of God. When we submit to the call of God, we're brought into a place of approval because God's testing our heart. Notice this, you are called because you're sanctified. Jeremiah 1.5, before I knew you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Sanctified means to be set apart for a purpose. The best example that I have that, I, that makes a lot of sense to me is, and I've used this not too long ago on the podcast, but if you wash dishes by hand, you know, we got a dishwasher, praise the Lord, but we still end up washing dishes by hand every now and then. You know, you've got usually two sides in a, in a, uh, a sink, a kitchen sink, generally speaking. One side's where you put the hot soapy water and you put all the dirty dishes. The other side, at least how I use it, we have a little grate that we put all the soapy dishes over there on the side and then we can rinse it off in that right-hand side. So imagine plates, cups, silverware, they're dirty. They've got spaghetti sauce on them. They've got, you know, cheese and stuff stuck to it. They're dirty. They've been used. Okay, you put them in the hot soapy water. You begin to scrub everything off. They're clean. Now you sit them to the right-hand side of the sink, and you spray that off, and they drip dry. And then when they're dry, you put them away. When you put that silver, the silverware away, the plates away, the cups away, they're clean, they're ready, and they're ready to be used. 
You don't take the clean plate, the clean cup, the clean fork, and put it back in the soapy water with all the dirty dishes. It's already been cleansed. You set it apart. You put it in its own drawer, its own cabinet, ready for use. You and I have been sanctified by the blood of Christ and by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, when it says, And such were some of you, it's referring to the list of sins that bring eternal damnation, lest you repent of them. In verses 9 and 10, it gives a list of sin there that if you're engaging in these things, you're not going to enter into heaven. But you repent. When you repent, you wash clean of them. Verse 11, And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the, name of, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You and I have been sanctified. We've been set apart for the glory of God and for His use. Notice this, Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You're approved. Before you were born, I sanctified you. We're set apart. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Third thing we see there, you're called because you're commissioned. See, when Jeremiah, before his birth, he was ordained by God to be a prophet to the nations, not just to Judah, but he would also speak to the nations around Judah. And he would speak of things to come that have yet to come to pass. But he was ordained. He was commissioned. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded, commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That is what we call the Great Commission. And that commission has been given to every single born-again believer. If you have faith in Jesus, you are approved. You are set apart for work. And you are commissioned to reach people for Christ. Now notice this, God's calling you, but you, and you are called, but there may be some thoughts of unqualification. You might think to yourself, well, A.J., you're saying I'm called, but I don't feel qualified. Notice this, Jeremiah was in the same boat. Jeremiah 1 verse 6, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. Jeremiah is basically saying, look, I'm young. And the Hebrew word that's transliterated to youth here in our Bible it denotes of a child or a young man less than 30. At the age of, what is it, 30 is when Jewish people believe they would, you would become a full man. I've only been a full man for three years at the time of this recording. <laughs> it's when Jesus went into his ministry, 30. It's when David became king, 30. Jeremiah was probably in his 20s. Who knows? He could have been in his teens. Nonetheless, he doesn't feel qualified. Here's the thing. If you wait until you feel qualified to begin working for the Lord, you will never work for God. As long as you're waiting to feel qualified, you'll never work for the Lord. But you are qualified. You know why you're qualified? Because God has called you. And whom He calls, He empowers. He equips and He sends forth in His power and might. Many people, you are among the ranks of heroes of the faith, if you don't feel qualified, yet you're called. Jeremiah, I'm too young. Moses, I can't speak. Gideon, I'm the smallest of the weakest tribe of Israel. Isaiah, my mouth's unclean. Saul was found hiding. 
<laughs> David, when he looks back on his life, he says, who am I that you would call me? Solomon, I'm like a little child when it comes to ruling this kingdom. I need wisdom. If you don't feel qualified, welcome to the club. But you're called, and God always qualifies who he calls. He always empowers. He always equips. That's good. <laughs> that encouraged me. Because if you wait until you feel qualified to work for the Lord, you'll never work for the Lord. But you are qualified. You know what qualification you need to work for the Lord? Him to call you. That's the only qualification that you need in order to begin working for the Lord. Are there practical things you and I should do? Yes. Should you fill your heart and your mind daily by reading and studying the Word of God? Yes. Should you commit to a daily time of prayer and an amount of time of prayer and consistently hit that commitment every day? Absolutely. Should you begin to share the truth of the gospel with people when you meet them? Yes. Should you be connected to a vibrant, growing church and part of the body of Christ actively working in the church? Yes. Absolutely. And can you go to, you know, if you feel in the call in a full-time ministry, go to Bible school or, hey, listen to this podcast is going to equip you. Listening to good Bible teaching at your church, being in Bible study, those things are going to equip you. Maybe you have some a calling and a gift and a talent and ability. Look in the book of Exodus. Men were anointed of the Holy Ghost to work with metal, to work with fabric, to build the temple, the tabernacle at that time, the tabernacle. So there's natural callings that God's given you. Do it for the glory of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians, do everything unto the glory of God. Work as if the Lord Jesus Christ is behind you, looking over your shoulder, and you're working for Him who is your true boss. Work. Work for Him because you're qualified because you're called. Now notice this. Jeremiah says, But the Lord said to me, verse 7 of chapter 1, when Jeremiah brings up the reason he doesn't feel qualified, I'm too young. I'm inexperienced. The Lord says, but the Lord said to me, don't say that I'm a youth. Jeremiah, get rid of the excuses. Don't say what you are <laughs> at the point in time that I've called you. I don't care about that. I just need a faithful heart. I just need someone that's going to be obedient. I just need someone that's going to come to me and say, yes, Lord, I'll do what you command me. Notice this, verse 7, Don't say that I'm a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you. So when I send you, go. Don't worry about if you're inexperienced. Don't worry about if you're young. When I tell you to go, go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. What I tell you to say, Jeremiah, just say it. Just say it. Just say it. What does God say to Jeremiah when he feels he's unqualified? Don't say that. Don't, don't defeat your own self with doubt-filled words. Don't look at your own strength. What did, what did the Apostle Paul say? <laughs> Though I am weak, in my weakness I'm made strong. The book of Joel, let the weak say that I am strong. Okay, guess what? You have shortcomings. Welcome to the human race. I, the last time I checked, God doesn't have a factory where he pumps out perfect Christians. He's working with what he's got. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> he's working with what he's got. And he will take you, he will take me with all our shortcomings, 
and empower us to do His work. So don't rehearse to God what you can't do. When God is saying, look, just go when I tell you to go. Just say what I tell you to say. Number four, God's calling you. You are called. That's one. Two, remove all the thoughts of being unqualified. Three, speak God's word and His truth. Don't rehearse what you already know or your shortcomings. Speak God's word. But begin to declare it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. If it were just me, yeah, I would fail. But I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me the strength. Speak God's word. Number four, concerning your call, refuse to fear. Jeremiah 1 Verse 8, the Lord says to Jeremiah, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Look, when you begin to step out into what God is calling you to do, there's going to be a beautiful opportunity to be afraid. Refuse to fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Begin to build up and encourage your spirit with that truth. Lord, I thank you. Though I have a great opportunity to be afraid, God, I refuse to be afraid. No, you've given me a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conduct be without covenants. Be content with such things as, I, as you have. For he himself has said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do unto me? And let me tell you something. That was very real for Jeremiah because he was going to be mocked, lied about, slapped, beaten, imprisoned, persecuted, locked up, scorned. He had to live that thing out. Look, Jeremiah, I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid of those faces looking back at you when they're sneering and laughing and saying you're a liar and saying you're not truthful and saying you're not filled with the Spirit of God. You keep persevering. And you, I, you and I, we have to do, it the, do the same as well. Look, I, I wish I could tell you that when you step into your calling, that every single person you ever encounter is going to encourage you. I wish I could tell you that. They're not. But I can guarantee you this, old AJ is going to encourage you. I'm doing my best right now to encourage you. <laughs> And let me tell you something. God will send you helpers. I'm not gonna try, I'm not trying to make, oh, oh, we're just, oh, woe is me. We're gonna lean over and cry on each other's shoulders. God will send you helpers. God will send people who will strengthen your hand when you commit to obey the call of God on your life. But there will be some people, there will be some uh Sambalats and Tobias, as it was in the days of Nehemiah. Well, why are you building this wall, Nehemiah? You can't build no wall. The walls of Jerusalem are already fallen down. Ah, might as well quit while you're ahead. Guess what? Nehemiah built the walls. Sambalat and Tobiah, they're long gone. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the people that come to persecute, to hurt, and harm. Listen to the voice of God, for He is calling you. And I mean that seriously. I believe that this group of people that are listening and watching you, the faithful, God has called you. You are called. See, I know that you're called. I know that you're called. I don't know what your calling is. I don't know what it is specifically the Lord's calling you to do, but I know that you're called. 
Every believer has a position and a duty in the body of Christ. It's not just for the preachers and the, the older people who are retired and have nothing else to do. We'll let them be the preachers and the prayers, <laughs> the intercessory prayers. Madam so-and-so, sister so-and-so, you know, she's retired. She ain't got nothing else to do. We'll let her do all the praying. We'll let, her, we'll let this person do all the singing. We'll let this person do all the hosting. We'll let this person do all the, the you know, soul winning. No, 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 no. Every believer is called. How do I know that? Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. If you're saved, you're called. I don't know what that calling is, that is your obligation to discern it. Now, how do you do that? Through much prayer, prayer with fasting, through study of the Word of God, to listening to the simple, clear, whispering voice of the Holy Spirit and to take action. Look, your call won't hit you all at once. Oftentimes, your call is one step. And when you take that step, God's, t God's testing you to see that you'll be faithful. Oh, you've passed the test. Here's the next step. And you grow into your calling. You grow into what God's called you to do. But I know this, God is calling you. God is calling you. Let me pray for you in Jesus' name. Father, I come before you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for every member of the faithful that's watching and listening. Lord, you've saved us, therefore you've called us with a holy calling. May we humbly and wholeheartedly submit to the call of God, which is on our life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm thankful for you. I pray that the Lord richly bless you, and I know that he will, because we are the faithful. I will see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.